What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back with another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 31. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world. I am so, so glad that you are here with me. You guys know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, comment, share, Apple, Spotify, Mr. Fourth and Long on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Fanatic Views, YouTube. Go and tell everybody about Unfilter. I want to be a part of your life. And you guys know how I like to get down. I like to give my motivation in the beginning because let's be honest. Some of y'all ain't going to be here at the end. That's okay. I'm not for everybody but I ask that you give me at least three listens, 15 minutes. That's all I ask, 15 minutes a listen. And if you don't like me after three episodes, 15 minutes, find three more episodes and give me 15 more minutes in each one of those episodes. I promise you, I promise you, you'll, you'll, you'll begin to like me at least a little bit, at least a little bit. Um, so let's get this thing rocking and rolling, man. I, I'm so excited to be here today with you guys and just keep cranking these episodes out, man. Episode 31. Wow. All right. Today's message comes from a near and dear friend of mine. Uh, he is a NCAA coach, Coach Lavelle Moton. And, and he said this, and I think this is so profound. And, and if you just give me a second to get through it, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you're going to see where I'm trying to walk with this. And he put this in a tweet, and it said this. He said, most cats are conditional winners. Only want to win as long as they're the leading scorer, take the most shots, or a starter. You can't play footsies. You can't be in and out this thing. Either you do or you don't. You don't get to decide what and how you win. You only decide if you'll do whatever it takes. And I love that. Thank you, Coach Moten, for, for putting that in the atmosphere. Because a lot of us are, 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 are trying to pick and choose how we win. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be the controller of your destiny, but understand you have to be committed to what and to how or to how or what it takes to win. And sometimes in order for you to get to the winning process, you got to go through some things. Sometimes you got to be 1B. Now, I'm not saying put yourself to the side. I'm saying the ultimate goal of winning is getting to the to the to the to the precipice of it. And sometimes it takes for you to be the sixth man. Sometimes it takes for you to be not the leading scorer. Sometimes it means that you have to go and do something else that you may not want to do today in order to get to your absolute dream tomorrow. The goal at the end of the day is winning. And everybody can't be center stage. Everybody can't be the Jordan, the LeBron, the, 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 the Kobe of the situation. Some of y'all couldn't handle being that. See, see, I think that's one of the things that we sometimes miss when you want to be a part of the winning. Some, some of y'all, some of y'all can't handle being the girl or the guy, the him or the her. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. When you have to be the face of the organization, when you have to be the CEO, the CFO, when you have to be the president, when you have to be the go-to girl, the go-to guy, some of y'all ain't equipped for that. 
And it might best be suited for you to be a role player than it is for you to be the star. But you have to figure out what that is and how you fit into that puzzle of winning. Getting your team, good leadership, bad leadership, all those things are components of how you win. You don't always get a chance to choose that. But are you willing to do whatever it takes to get there? That's a conversation some of you must have with yourself, the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror. Some of y'all ain't meant to be the GOAT. Some of y'all ain't meant to be him, himothy, hurothy, whatever you want to call. Some of y'all ain't meant to be him. And that's okay. But be a star in your role. The great, and my former college basketball coach, Go Heels, Coach Roy Williams used to say a thing to us when we won our 05 national championship. He said, if we stop worrying about who will get the reward and all do our job to the best of our ability, everyone will get an award. I said that backwards. If we stop worrying about the award, if we all focus and do our job, we'll all get the reward. Everybody can't be the Bob Cousy Award winner. Everybody can't be. There is not 12 most valuable players. There's one. But if we in the championship and we all, we all win, I'm a champion forever. Now my name not in the Raptors as being an All-American. No, I wasn't a first-round draft pick. I'm a champion forever. I've experienced something in my life that most people will never get a chance to experience because I was willing to take on a role and be the best at that role. You don't, you don't, you don't always get to decide how you win. You only get to decide if you're willing to do whatever it takes to win. All right, man, let's get into the action of the day. Big game. Big game. Big, big, big game for the Cowboys. Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. This Sunday, 325 Central Standard Time in Philadelphia at the link. The Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a big game. This is the second game that I personally had circled on my calendar. I'm sure many of the Cowboys, players, coaches, front office people alike said the same thing. Now, they may not be as public this time around as they were against the Niners. That didn't turn out too well for them. But bet your bottom dollar, despite them being 7-1 and one and we being 5-2 and two and, you know, it's a division game. This is another test for the Cowboys. My good friend, uh, uh, No C, said this is the midterm. Said you failed the first test against the Niners. This is your midterm. You get a chance to test yourself again and then you'll have your final exam later on at the end of the year. But this is another opportunity for the Cowboys to prove to themselves most importantly, and to the world that you are either in the class of being a real-life contender or you're a pretender. That you, are, that you are built well, that you are built big but not built well. That you look flashy on the outside but no substance on the inside. This is an opportunity for the Cowboys to show the world, to show, I think more importantly, to show themselves. Because it's easy to beat teams that you are automatically better than. And you must beat those teams. 
But what happens when you have to face the teams that are as good as you and or better? And I would say that right now that the Eagles are, if not the best football team in the league, a better football. They, they, they are the leaders in the NFC East right now. They are a better football team overall than the Cowboys. Doesn't mean that you cannot beat them. We've seen the parity across the National Football League is real. That's what's so that's one of the reasons why the NFL is king in North America. Because any given Sunday, you can get whooped. There's a less level of predictability because that ball is oblong and it bounces many different ways. And while you may think a pass is going right to a person, he drops it. It's tipped. It's, it's deflected. A guy slips. A guy's fall. There's so many things that can happen in the course of a football game that you cannot predict. But the Cowboys taking on the Eagles this week is one that's important, man. It is an important football game. Yes, it's an important football game because it's the next one, but you're trying to make some ground in the NFC East. You don't want to be a wild card heading into the playoffs and have to go on the road. The, 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 if our plans, if the Cowboys plans, I should say the Cowboys plans, if their plans are to be in Vegas in February, it's going to go through probably one or two of these teams. Philadelphia, San Francisco. They failed the San Francisco test. And I don't care what's going on with San Francisco right now and their three-game losing streak, but when the Cowboys played them, they failed that test. This is the next test. This is the test that they have to go out there, and I hope that they take it personal on the front side. <laughs> I hope that players are, um, are understanding that this is not going to be an easy win. And, and the reason it's not going to be an easy win, because Philadelphia is a team right now, while they don't do everything right, they, are, they have been finding gritty ways to win football games. Whatever it takes. And that's, that, 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 that's a mindset that you must have going into every football game. Sometimes we'll run the ball. Sometimes we'll pass the ball. Yeah, we're going to turn. I mean, they have been finding ways to grit out football games all year long. And it, it doesn't look always look pretty. It's can I make the necessary first down play? Can I make the ne necessary yardage? Can I make the red zone play? Can I make the necessary stop? Can I get off the field on third down? And, and this is going to be another one of those heavyweight matches for the Cowboys. You have to bring a level of physicality. And, and, and it's not only being able to deliver a punch. It's can you take a punch. It's can you take a liver shot. It's can you get your bell rung and see the little birds going around just your head like, a, like the cartoons. And maybe going to the blue tent nowadays, but be able to shake that off and come back out and deliver a blow. This is going to be this. You're, you're, you're not going to easily whoop up on this, this football team, I believe. I think that you're going to have to go out there and, and match it punch for punch for four quarters on the road in a hostile environment, a very, very, very hostile environment. And when you look at the way the team is built, some of the key matchups that I, I look at in this football game from the Cowboys' offensive side. I, I talked about this before. I said this maybe two or three episodes ago from the coaching perspective. I said, we got to get going. And the Cowboys have gotten going. The last two games, you've seen that offense really get going. 
Last week, CeeDee Lamb has a record-setting week. 12, 14 targets, 12 catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Career-high catches, career-high yards. He's finding his mojo. It's something about when re- receivers begin to complain, they get the rock. A.J. Brown complained, he's on a record-setting place. CeeDee Lamb complained, he's on a record-setting pace. When you complain a little bit, things get accomplished. But you've seen this offense get going, and you've heard me say that, you know, Dak has to sometimes unbutton the shirt, loosen up the tie, step inside the booth, Superman is alive. He has to kind of be that. He has to find that Superman mojo in this game. I'm not saying he has to play hero ball, but this is a game that he's going to have to help them because what Philadelphia presents up front is going to make it very difficult for the Cowboys to run the football. It just is. Philadelphia is not giving up many rushing. I think they're giving up 65 rushing yards a game up front. Where the Philadelphia Eagles are susceptible to to be dominated at, it's the cornerback position. It's slot corner. Um, I think Roby won't play this game due to injury. James Bradbury is 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 a player that we know very well, the Cowboys know very well, and have abused a lot. Big play Slay is still out there. Darius Slay is still out there. But he 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 can get some work too. He can he can get this work. <laughs> he could get this work. The Cowboys, it has to it, it had to start, begin, middle and end with CeeDee Lamb. You gotta you gotta feed him. You gotta feed your best player. And I'm not saying that you gotta overly feed him, but you gotta feed him. You you can't you can't make CeeDee Lamb the side dish. Like you can't go and try to target Cooks, Tolbert, Ferguson, Gallup, and then go, oh, on the side is a is a, here's a dab of CD Lamb. He can't, no, he gotta be the entree. CD Lamb, when 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 you go to the nice restaurants, when you go on down to Nick and Sam's or you hit and they bring out, they 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 bring out the 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 pause, the meats. They bring out the meats and they and they and they, they they walk you through with a, this is wagyu, this is this, this is like when the Cowboys bring out their their selection of players. CD can't be like oh and, and you can get a family size of CD lamb. Oh, you can get you know this is shareable for three or four people. He can't be the side. He has to be the main course when they when they when they when when the waiter or waitress comes to the table and they got the they got the market price lobster, they got the wagyu beef, they got the 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 the, the tomahawk, that 88, 80, like here is CD Lamb. This this is what should be presented to the Philadelphia Eagles appetite. Not, oh, by the way, you can get a little bit of 88. You know, depending on what your what your palate is like, you can get a side of CD. You can get a little bit of, well, you get enough to kind of share with the table. No, you can't have that. It, it, it has to be the main course. And then you get a side of Brandon Cooks. You can get, you can get, if you want to add on a little bit of uh, 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 Oscar style on top of that, you can give a little Oscar style of Brandon Cooks. You can give a little side salad of Michael Gallup. You can give a little bit of uh, uh, some of that brown bread that you get at um, 
Cheesecake Factory. I know folks don't eat at Cheesecake Factory no more, according to what the, the, the social media says. That little brown bread, you get a little bit of brown brown bread. That brown bread hit. I don't care what y'all talking about. Give me the brown bread. I want a little bit of that brown bread. But CD has to be the main course. And Dak has to be the chef cooking it up. Dak has to be the chef in the back saying, how you want this? You want this medium? You want this medium rare? You want this thing butterflied? I'm surgical with this thing, Jake. That's what I feel like the Cowboys have to be because the matchup is going to be where they have the advantage. They don't have the advantage up front. They're not going to be able to run the football effectively like you want to. Dak has to go out there. I, I, do, I truly believe this has to be a game where Dak goes out there and he has 45, 50 passing attempts. I just feel that way. That's just, that's just who I am in my gut. Watching them play. I watched my boy Sam Howe go heels. And Eric Bieniemy. they lost the game. But boy, they was out there slinging that thing around the park. And this is going to be one of those games where, like I said, Dak has to have 45, 40, 45 and I know the stats are out there that say, well, Dak, when he passes the ball for four, nah, forget it. He got to go get it. That's where you have the advantage at. You have to be able to make plays on their DBs, chunk plays on their DBs. Because what they have up front is, 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 is crucial. And I don't know, Tyron Smith hasn't practiced all week with the neck injury stinger. He may practice Saturday. Be a game-time decision. Terrence Steele hasn't been the very best this, this, this year. Giannis has dealt with the hamstring injury. Boy, he, 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 he is going to be, he's going to be face pause with a load. Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, the old grizzle vet, um, Fletcher Cox. I mean, they're going to be, and they're going to be rotating these dudes. So he's going to have to be able to, to, to sit down and really be able to keep that, that pocket clean because they want to collapse the pocket. That's going to have to be 379 yards, three touchdowns, an interception. But it's going to have to be one of those deals where he's out there slinging that thing, chefing it up, Chef Dak, Chef Prescott. He said, pour honey on me. Well, do what you got to do, honey. You got to chef it up. You ain't, you ain't, you know, Jerry said he ain't poking the bed. You said put honey on me. Basically saying, all right, all right, I'm ready for the fight. Got to be ready for the fight. You have to lead the troops. On, on the other side, one of the ways that you get Jalen Hurts to be bad Jalen Hurts and many other quarterbacks in this league, you pressure them. The Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts, they have a one-read type of offense. He is finding out what my read is, and the ball's going there right now. When Jalen Hurts gets in trouble is when you take Reed one away and now he has to kind of sift through the defense and find where two and three is at. Now, that's when his athleticism comes into play where he scrambles and he backs up and he can make plays with his legs. But when you make him have to read past his, set, his first read into his second and third read, you end up with the results like the Jets had, three interceptions. Or you end up with him being out of, um, out of rhythm. The Cowboys have to find ways, and the, and the Eagles have a really good offensive line. Talking about Jordan Mulata, Jason Kelsey, and, and Lane Johnson. You're talking about three of the top offensive linemen in the league. For, for the last couple of years, they've had the best offensive line in football. They added DeAndre Swift, 
And what they do offensively for the Eagles, they try to use screens, tight end screens, running back screens, receiver screens. To me, that's an extension of the running game. When, when they can't get things going in between the tackles, and Jalen Hurst has been dealing with an injury, even though he hadn't popped up on the injury report, re- reports have been saying that he has some sort of bone bruise on his knee that's kind of limited his mobility, and he's not he's not as willing to run this season or this portion of the season that he's has he, like he's had in the past. So what are they doing? They're saying, okay, if we can't make them play 11-on-11 football because Jalen Hurts is now a viable runner, well, how do we, how do we get the running game going? Long handoffs, right? The, 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 the quick screens, the, the, the bubble screens, the, the, the running back screen. They'll run four verticals up the field and then have the running back just sit right over, there, over the ghost tight end, throwing the ball, and then allow Swift, um, allow Gainwell to make, to make moves on, on linebackers in open space. This is how they're doing it in the running game. They're doing some running back from running it from the backfield, but they're doing a lot of it from the passing, the short passing, the behind the line of scrimmage passing. That's a long, that's a long handoff. Because if they get five or six or seven yards, that they're fine with that. If they throw a bubble screen and they get six yards, they're totally fine with that. Because they're saying, all right, second and five. And now if we get if we get a two-yard gain, cool, third and three. And now if we get a one, a two-yard gain, cool, fourth and one. And you know what's coming in. You already know what's coming. Tush push. And and they, they got a 99.99999% success rate with the tush push. Nobody does it better than them. So they're okay getting the ball one or two yards on third or fourth down. They're fine with that because they, they basically have a play that's unstoppable. They've invented it. <laughs> They've curated it, and nobody does it better than them. Often imitated, never duplicated. Nobody does the brotherly love, push, tush, push, whatever you want to call it. The brotherly shove, the tush, push. Nobody does it better than the Philadelphia Eagles. So they're fine getting the fourth down or anywhere in the football field, and it's fourth and one, fourth and one and a half, fourth and two. Here it is. You know what's coming. They know what's coming. The world knows what's coming, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. But this is a game, you know, that 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 can be won by the Cowboys. They got to bring their A game though. They have to bring their A game. Um AJ Brown is playing at a, an exceptional rate right now. And what I'm about to say next, I hope that people don't take it the wrong way. But right now, the way that AJ Brown is playing, we don't have a defender in our secondary that can stop him. Honestly, not Gilly, not Deron Bland. Now, can Gilly win some matchups? Yes. Can Deron Bland win some matchups? Yes. But if they have to go at each other one-on-one all day long, or if they have to go at this matchup all day long, let's just be honest, ladies and gentlemen. And I, I love Deron Bland. I have stood on the table and championed for Deron Bland. I think he's, I think he is one of the... Young players in this league that's going to be around for a very long time. And if you give him an opportunity, he will intercept that football. But if he has to play A.J. Brown one-on-one, if they did 10 reps, A.J. Brown would probably win six. Now, in those six, it could be a touchdown, two touchdowns. In those 10, it could be one to Ron Bland, pick six. I don't know. But overall, if they have to, if he has to have that matchup all day long, he may win 
He may win a battle, but he ain't going to win the war. And that's what I mean by that. That's the level of, uh, it's, it's right now, you talk about the best receivers in the league, it's Tyreek Hill, it's A.J. Brown, and the list stops there. You can, you, can, you can add Jamar Chase in there in the, in the next level. But it's A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill. And then you put a line and then you start putting people underneath that. Tyreek Hill is already at 1,000 yards. I, I think like 170 yards. Uh, um, A.J. Brown's like 170 yards away from being 1,000 yards. And we're halfway through the season. <laughs> They're just... A.J. Brown, six games of 125 yards or more. It's an NFL record. He's cooking. They found the rhythm. They found the rhythm. And so the Cowboys have to be on their A game. Defensively, Micah Parsons has to get after Osa, Fowler, Sam Williams, Tank Lawrence. You got to win your battles. You got to make Jalen Hurts one-dimensional. You do. You have to make Jalen Hurts one-dimensional, cut the running off first, and then make him read through the offense, through, excuse me, through the defense. He, he, can't, he can't be comfortable enough in the pocket where he's taking his first read, and then when his first read's not there, there's no pressure in him, and then he can figure out what the second and third read is. Because Devontae Smith is still a really good route runner. Dallas Goddard's still a really good player. I mean, they have some players on that team. But if you get after Jalen Hurts, if you make Jalen Hurts, if you touch him, if you tag him um, a couple times this game, he's going to turn the ball over. 11 turnovers in the season, eight interceptions, three fumbles. Three interceptions to the New York Jets. The signs are there. The telltale signs are there of how to play Jalen Hurts. Now you have to go do it. They've used our aggression um, against us at times. So when, when you're rushing at Jalen Hurts, gotta be, you got to be fundamentally sound. If your job is to have outside containment, have outside containment. If your job is to be in an A-gap, be in the A-gap. If your job is to spy, which I think they'll do with Donovan Wilson and use him as a spy or one of those uh, uh, freak athletes, either Donovan Wilson or J. Ron Curse or Marquise Bell, then that's what you have to do. Don't, don't worry about anybody else. If your job is to spy on Jalen Hurts, spy on Jalen Hurts. And when, when it's time to tag him, tag him. Make him feel your presence all game long. Because going on the road is not an easy task in Philadelphia. Let, let me give you my personal opinion about traveling. Like, Philadelphia, I'm from New Jersey. And there, there are times when I played in Philadelphia where my family, I would not allow women to come to the game. No, Jesse is not a sexist. <laughs> I'm not a sexist. But women in my family couldn't come to the games in Philadelphia because of just how vile and nasty the Philadelphia fans are. They don't care about your mother, your aunt, your sister, your girl, your cousin, your niece, your daughter. None of that. They'll cuss. They'll fuss. The men of my family ain't going to take too much of that. So now, now the men of my family have to worry about fighting. Like, Philadelphia, 
is a wild place. It's a wild place. Their fans are a wild bunch of fans. They are. They're nasty. They'll throw things. They'll fight. They'll. I mean, coming into the stadium when when when, when the bus is is rounding into the link, they throwing batteries at the bus. Legit window broke. Legit window broke on our bus. They don't give two cra- bottles, cans, snowballs, batteries, food. You're getting a finger. You are getting all the fingers. Double birds. Triple birds. Then as you kind of work your way, they still throwing stuff. They still cussing at you. Get off the bus. Cussing and fussing. Then you get on the field. It's, 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 an, it's a constant barrage of just vile. And it stinks. It, literally, it stinks. I hate, I hate the smell of Philadelphia. I hate the smell of Philadelphia. It smells like bad cheese. But it's a place that if you get up on their team, they'll turn on their team. They'll be booing them jokers. But their team gets up on you. But I wouldn't let I would let the women of my, I would not let the women of my family come to see me play in Philadelphia out of the sheer fear that something would happen to them they would be physically harmed because they have on cowboy gear cuz if they lose they're going to be hot looking to start a fight looking to pick you know pick a fight if they win they're going to be so obnoxious antagonistic as you're trying to walk back to your car they're saying things being in your face and I'm going to be honest with you sometimes my people sometimes it, you know, even the women in my family they don't take too kind of stuff like that so they're going to react then the men that's with them going to have to react and who needs that who needs that who needs that but it gets it gets vile up there man it does but boy, you go up there and you put a whooping on them, they, they'll leave. It's too cold to be out there with a losing team. They'll pack it up. They'll pack it up and they'll be they'll be MFing their own fans. And I mean MFing their, their own fans. They'll be fighting their own fans. They'll be MFing their team and their owner and all that. They'll they will pack it up. The Cowboys gotta be ready to help them pack it up. They do. But it's gonna be a good one, man. It's gonna be a good one. I'll give my prediction of the game later on. It's gonna be, um, it's gonna be one of those games, man. When you look back on it, it's 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 gonna have implications. This midterm will have implications on where the Cowboys find themselves at the end of the year. We'll see if they're ready for this test. They failed the last one. Bad. We'll see if they're ready this time around. I hope so. I, I, I hope so. And the guys know who, who have to be really ready. Those guys know. Those guys know. A lot is riding on this game, uh, both in the standings, both mentally, both nationally. You, get, you go up to Philadelphia and you get dealt with like, like you did against the Niners, 
that 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 I don't even know how you come back from that. And I get it, it's still a long season, but those two teams, the two teams that you're gonna have to beat again. And if they dog walk you in the regular season, psychologically, that's damaging. That is damaging. But I'll get my picks. I'll give my pick later on when we go through the NFL picks. But I can't wait. I, I love the, I love this is my favorite rivalry. More than playing the Giants, more than playing Washington, this this you get down and dirty in this. And I like that. I like getting down and dirty in other places. But I like getting down and dirty on the football field. And that's this is the down and dirty football game. All right, man. Uh let's move on. They did it. The Texas Rangers have done it. They are the winners. They are your 2023 world champions. I got to give it to you, Tay. You called this. You called this at the beginning of the playoffs. You came here and said, all right, listen. You looked at me and you said, I'm just saying. They got a chance. And I was in here. I was like, oh, I don't know, man. They kind of crept in here. Though they don't have the pitching. They don't have. He's like, listen, baseball's a different monster when you get in the playoffs. I said, I, I get it. He's like, things can happen. Things can happen. And they did it in a very, very, very unconventional way. 11, they were 11 and 0 on the road. Someone had a great acronym that I saw on Twitter or X or whatever you call it now. And I believe that the Rangers in this playoff run in MLB history had the most road victories, 11. And so they, 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 they epitomized the term road warriors. And someone said, R- I'm scared to spell road now. R-O-A-D, right? You don't want to spell stuff wrong. They're like, you're dumb. R-O-A-D. They beat the Rays, Orioles, Astros, Diamondbacks. 11 road victories. You know how hard that is? Like, like you play for positioning, so that you can get the home field advantage. But for the Rangers to go on the road and get big victories. They only, had, they only won one home game, right? Two home games in the entire playoffs. Two home games, 11 victories on the road. First championship in franchise history. And, you know, the parade has happened over a half a million people at that parade. This fantastic for this franchise. This is a franchise, an expansion franchise first, right? This, this started in Washington as the Senators, then moved to Texas in 72. 51 years. More than 51 years. I mean, if you go back to the Washington Senator days, First championship. We all know about what happened in 2011. So close. That close. Tay and I was arguing about what was, a, what was the most heartbreaking loss. I was like, oh. He was like, man, I'm telling you, brother. 2011, that was probably one of the most heartbreaking. I was like, 28-3 doesn't hurt either. Like, that, that hurts pretty much. He's like, oh, I don't know. 
But this is a team that did the unthinkable. Not a roster, not 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 a not a sexy roster. Not a roster that is littered and filled with names that that give you night chills. You know, you think about like a team like the Yankees, think about a team like the Dodgers and Boston. I mean, those teams are like the best teams money can buy. Some of these baseball teams are the best teams that money can buy, and the names are so recognizable that when you start looking at, you know, like, wow, man, I, you know, how do we beat a team like that with, with, with that type of roster? But when you look at what this team had accomplished and how it was built, bringing in CY, you know what, you know what I didn't realize? CY is a big dude. Like, when you see him stand, you're like, it's a big dude, you know what I mean? Like, this is a, this is a big dude. But you bring in CY, then CY comes in and he says, "All right, let, let me let me let me survey the landscape. What do I need? Let's start at the top. I need a skipper. I don't I don't need just any old skipper. I need someone with a little bit of pedigree. I need someone who 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 has because here's the biggest thing: when you're going through changes. When you have to, especially when you come in as the new guy, you have to survey the entire landscape. Oftentimes, you need to fire a bunch of people. Because in order to get your message across, you have to eliminate some of the people who have the old messaging that probably won't let it go. See why I said, let me pick up the phone and let me call somebody with a little bit of experience that doesn't have one. That doesn't have two, but has three World Series championships. And he called up Bruce Bochy, who was just chilling in Nashville. He was chilling. He was chilling in the in the garage. He was just playing his banjo. And he said, "I need you." And he comes and and and, and Bochy becomes the sixth manager to win four titles. Four titles. The other, the other five, Casey Stingle, did I say that right? He has seven. Joe McCarthy has seven. Connie Mack has five. Walter Alston has four. Joe Torrey has four. All of them are in the Hall of Fame. I think, without a shadow of a doubt, when, when Obochi decides to hang it on up, he'll head over to Cooperstown as well. But you bring you bring you bring you bring old Bochi in, and you say, "Listen, here's what we have." And then you begin to start spending some of the money, right? You spend some money, and you bring in some more experience. You go get a guy in in Corey Seager. You bring him, man. You pay him a boatload of money. This is a guy who's already won a World Series and was the MVP for the Dodgers in in 2020. Then you go get guys like Marcus Simeon, and you start putting pieces together. You got El you got El Bombay for for cash. For stripper money. You brought in El Bombay for some loose change. They did something strange for some change and brought in El Bombay. You bring in Max Serger. You bring in, uh, uh, who's the other pitcher? I'm drawing a blank right now. Montgomery? No. Um, he got hurt. Um, DeGrom. DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom. I mean, so you start adding these pieces to this roster. 
And I, I don't I truly believe that maybe this this team may have been, would you say, a year early? Two years early? Year about a year early. I, I think they were building to something. May have been a year early, two years early. But I, I, I truly, and I know that I'm always pro player, right? Because a coach doesn't do anything technically on the field. But this feels like, man, th- th- this feels like Bochi was able to pull the proper strings and, 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 and tune up the fine instruments of the players and get them in a position. But the money was well spent. Of course, Seeger, Simeon. John Gray. I mean, you, you, you look across it. I mean, guys were brought in to, to get them to a place. But managing the talent, managing the egos, managing the slumps, managing the injuries, managing all those things, and this 162-game season with the ups and downs, and you're riding high, and then you're, you're not so high, and getting them back up again, and oh. This guy who's supposed to be an ace pitcher for us, he's hurting. Now, this guy who's supposed to be in the bullpen, he can't fit. Bats are, all these things are happening. And they can just continue, they just continue. Boom, boom, boom. And and you lose at the end of the year. You lose a division to the other smelly city. That city smells too. Philly stinks. Physically stinks, and Houston stinks. Houston smells like sewage. It does. Fine women in Houston, though, but it stinks. And now you head into the playoffs with a lot of questions. I'll be the first to raise my hand. We had a lot of behind the scenes. I had some questions, and they just went after it. Boom, boom, boom. Nathan Avaldi's. He what 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 a what a playoff. You watch that final game and the way that he was putting runners on bases, and you're just like, and he's getting out of it. Houdini couldn't get out of some of the stuff that he was getting out of. And that's when you kind of knew he's like, yeah, this is it's their time. <laughs> it's 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 their time. And shout out to all of the Rangers fans. Being here locally in the DFW area, you've seen just how sports is a great thing because sports brings people together. Race, religion, economics, doesn't matter. If you got a Cowboys hat on and I got a Cowboys hat on and it's Sunday and we playing Philly, brother, sister, we, 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 we family. But when you hear the stories, I didn't come from a family, me personally, I did not come from a family where it was like, my dad took me to said games. My granddad, we listened to it on the radio. My family wasn't a family that that, that took part in these things. But you hear the countless stories of, man, I remember when I was a child my first baseball game was me and my daddy took me to see the Rangers. My grandfather was one of the biggest Rangers. My mom was a boy. 
I wish my dad was still here to see this. He was the one that introduced me to baseball. My granddad helped me, you know, he, he showed me how to throw a four-seam fastball. My, my, my uncle, my great uncle was the one that first showed me how to fold my hat, to carry a glove, took me to my first ball game. I remember when. And you hear all of these stories, and, and that's the pastime that kind of baseball brings. And you hear it, like with the parade happening, have happened, you hear all of the, the deeply rooted stories of people coming out and saying, I wish my dad, granddad, uncle, mom was here to witness this because they were such great fans of the Rangers. And I'm sure you can go across the landscape to any team. Pick a team. Pick a team that's won a championship. And you can say, oh, uh, uh, my mom, my dad for that team. And that's the special part about sports is that you have these bonds and relationships that are built around the game. Some of the people my age remember sitting around the radio listening to the Rangers games in the garage with Paul Paul, with granddad, with my uncle. And for it all to come to fruition and them winning a World Series. And many people, many, many people say I cried because we waited this long, 51 years, 51 years plus for a franchise that, 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 I think two years ago had the longest consecutive losing streak in games for it now all to be washed away because you're now the 2023 World Series champion. Some of the things that will be Cooperstown bound. Boshi's ball cap headed to Cooperstown. Seager's helmet headed to Cooperstown. Uh, Carter's batting gloves headed to uh, Cooperstown. Simeon's jerseys and Evaldi's spikes are some of the uh, among the World, World Series memorabilia that'll be donated to the Hall of Fame. Pretty cool. Pretty cool that you'll always be etched in history in the Hall of Fame. But there's always a losing it. There's always the losing part of it, right? There's a team that had to lose. And there's five teams in MLB that are still without a championship. Colorado, the Rockies, the Brewers, uh, San Diego, Seattle, the Mariners, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Those are the five teams that remain that are without a World Series. But wow. Championships are forever. Championships are forever. And I, I, I don't want to steal the shine of the Rangers, but I can only imagine. While the Rangers are the hot story right now, they are not the big dogs in the DFW area. I could only imagine over 500,000 people was at that parade today. Maybe more. Maybe more. I can only imagine if somehow, some way, that the Cowboys were to win a championship, what would that parade look like? How many of you who are watching this who are not local 
I, I said this before. I got I got one of my one of my good friends, Lil Richard, lives in Jacksonville. One of my other OGs, G Man, lives in Jersey. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I got I got I got friends that live all over the place who are Cowboy fans. Are you flying in for the parade? If the Cowboys win in February this year in Vegas, and the parade is announced, are you flying in to be a part of it? I mean, I, I, I've played for this franchise, and I've, I've been at games where I've played the Niners, and the Cowboys probably had, if not the same amount, a large, I mean a large contingency in San Francisco. Same thing when before they moved into SoFi with the Chargers. Same thing with the Raiders. Same thing in Washington. I mean, they're, 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 uh, the Texans. There, there have been places that I've been where it felt like we're on the road, but oh, it, it feel like we're at home. And I'm just curious because baseball is local. Like you, you, You're not going to go to New York and find a bunch of Rangers fans. You'd be hard-pressed to find 20 <laughs> roaming around New York City. You're, you're, you're not going to go to Florida and find a bunch of Rangers fans. You're, you're not going to go to Chicago and find a bunch of Rangers fans or, or to the West Coast and find a bunch of Rangers fans. You're just not. Cowboy fans? You'll find a host of them in the Northeast. You'll find some in the South. You'll find some in the Midwest. You'll definitely find some in the West Coast. That parade would be insane. And I know that Jerry's watching this. He even said it earlier this week. He said, you know, I'm a little bit envious. I'm a little bit envious of, of watching another team in my city win a championship. He congratulated the Rangers, but... If the Cowboys were ever to get that, it would be over. It would be. It would probably be. If the Rangers did over a half a million, we might get two million. Then you gotta do two parades. You gotta do one in Arlington. Might have do three parades. One in Arlington, one in Dallas, and then you gotta get Frisco some love, right? You gotta go. Gotta go up to the Star. I don't know if you can fit two million people in the Star. Frisco would be crazy. That'll be crazy. But congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Man, you are you are etched in history. You are forever etched in history. We're gonna have we're gonna have, we're gonna get Derek Holland back. We're gonna do we're gonna do a show with Derek. Um, he don't know that now, but I'm telling you now. Hey Derek, if you're watching this, you're gonna do a show again. Recapping it may bring Mike Bassick, former pitcher of the Texas Rangers, Mike Bassick Jr., Mike Bassick Sr., the only father-son combination who were born in the state of Texas to play for the, uh, uh, your team, like play for the team that you were born in. They were born in Texas, play for the Texas Rangers. Only father-son combination to do so. Yep. Didn't know that, huh? Mm-hmm. People are going to say, well, what about Vlad? They're going to say, no, they weren't born there. They were born elsewhere and played there. Mike Bassick Sr., Mike Bassick Jr., born, raised here, played for their local team. So shout out to them as well. All right, let's get to let's pull this up. Let's get to my NFL picks, man. Another great weekend in the National Football League. Cannot wait. Excuse me. Thursday night football happened uh, the other day. Steelers beat the Tennessee Titans. I don't care what you say about Pittsburgh. It's not flashy. Um, they ain't pretty. Mike Tomlin only knows how to win. He figures it out. 
he's the only team in the National Football League that has been out gained in yardage <laughs> and still win the football game, still have a winning record. That's all Mike Tomlin learned how to do. And I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. I am a Mike Tomlin fan, 100%. He is a coach's coach. And I'll get more into coaching because I got a story with another coach who lost his job. And I'll tell you what it's not to be as a coach. But Mike Tomlin, he, he just knows how to win. He gets the he, – he, whatever the player has, he gets the best out of it. And it results in victories. They're 5-1, five 5-3 and one, five and three right now. Say whatever you want about Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin knows how to win. We got a game in Frankfurt, Germany. You know, I, I love this about the National Football League. They're, they're maybe a couple decades late, but they're trying to make up the time and saying, we're going to be international. We already dominate North America, but we're going to take our game. You know, it used to be like Mexico City. It used to always be a game in Mexico City. Then they say, all right, we're going to go to London. And then they said, we're going to go to Germany. So they already did two games in London. They're going to be the Jacksonville Londoners. <laughs> That's who always goes, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But now they're in Frankfurt, Germany. You, I, I, don't, I just have this feeling. This is sidebar. I just have this feeling. I, the Saudis are going to get a football team first. Just saying. The Saudis have enough money to do anything. They got enough money to where, you know, their plays are different. They'll take a double-decker and make it like just a hotel and say, don't worry about it. We'll fly all your players over here. and They'll, they'll do it right. I think the Saudis are going to be the first team outside of North America to have a football team. And when, they, when, the, when, the, when the NFL goes international, that may be five years from now, but come back and find episode 31 and go, Jay Holly said that the Saudis will have the first football team. They will. Hell, they might, buy, they might make their own league. They may take the whole XFL and all of them and say, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll take over. We'll pour enough money into it so the NFL gives us a team. But the Dolphins and Chiefs, good game over there too. They 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 didn't send they didn't send the bad. They said this is game of the week. This would be this would be. I I get it NFL. If you're gonna if you're gonna go abroad, send the best. This game I ain't gonna lie to y'all. This shouldn't be at eight thirty in the morning. I just this game need to be Sunday night football. This game need to be Monday night football. It does. 6.30, and you're getting ready to miss Tyreek Hill and the Miami Dolphins and Patrick Mahomes. You think you think Taylor Swift's going to be there? Ooh, she might do like a show. She might double bag that thing, double dip. See her honey dip, get a bag while she's over there. Dolphins Chiefs, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. 6.30 Pacific, God. This is too good of a game to send to Germany, but I get it. I understand it. Uh, Chiefs, Dolphins. Are to, I, you know what? I got the Dolphins. The Chiefs are playing. They're, they're playing a dangerous game. They don't have any receivers. One of the other receivers has got himself in some trouble, maybe some domestic violence trouble. I heard a, I heard a very compelling. I'm all about stories. I love a good story. I heard a very compelling story about Mike McDaniels and and and. and you know, how he came about coaching the, the Dolphins and his relationship with Tua, and it just really touched me. It did. Tyreek Hill is a beast, already has four, uh, eleven, almost close to 1,100 yards in eight weeks. Eight weeks. 1,014 total yards 
Receiving yards, eight touchdowns, 61 receptions. It's going to be a good game. Dolphins, Chiefs, and Frankfurt. Give me the Dolphins in that one. The Vikings and Falcons. You got no Kirk Cousins. He's out with the torn Achilles. Atlanta just traded for Josh Dobbs. I don't know if he's going to play in that game. But I'm going to take the Falcons in this one at home. Shout out, to my, shout out to my former teammate, Arthur Smith. The Cardinals and the Browns. Deshaun Watson said that he's playing this week coming off the shoulder injury. Shoulder injury. The Browns' defense is lights out. And while the Cardinals are a tough, a tough football team, they make, they make wins very difficult, they're 1-7. They're 1-7. And they're starting a new quarterback this week because they traded Josh Dobbs away. Give me the Browns over the Cardinals. Rams, Packers, the Rams just got beat down by the Cowboys. They're headed up to Lambeau Field. Hmm. That's going to be a good one. This is, this is, a, this is kind of one of those pick em games right here. Give me, give, me, give me the Rams winning this one in Lambeau Field over the Packers. Washington Commanders over the Patriots. Even though Washington lost last week to the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I'm really I'm, Eric Bieniemy is showing you with the way that he's playing because they 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 had every opportunity to beat to beat Philadelphia last week. Philadelphia eked it out, but Sam Howe he he is he's okay, he's okay. It's way better than what they got in Philadelphia. I mean, what they got in uh, New England. I, I think, you know, I packed Mac Jones up. Four weeks ago. Pack him up. Get him up out of here. Give me the Commanders over the Patriots in Foxborough. Bears, Saints. I, I, packed, I told you, I packed, I, I packed the Bears up a long time ago. I packed them up. I packed Justin Fields up along with them. Packed them up. Saints over the Bears. Seahawks, Ravens. Going to be a good one. Going to be a good one. But Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, not being talked about enough right now, might win his second MVP. Might win his second MVP. I'm just saying, Lamar Jackson might win his second MVP this year. He's in that conversation. Give me the Ravens over the Saints in Baltimore. Sorry, excuse me, Seahawks. Ravens over the Seahawks. Bucks, Texans. C.J. Stroud fan right here, ladies and gentlemen. I like that kid. I think this kid, got he, he has the it factor when it comes to leadership. He's already a good player, but he has the it factor when it comes to leadership. Nine touchdowns to one interception as a rookie quarterback. I think I, I um I think CJ Stroud, he he is he has it. He has it. I, I love a young kid who who commands the room, especially at that position. He commands the room, he has good leadership, he understands that I have to be. I have to be I have to be greater than myself in order to lead these men. It has to be beyond me. I have to find ways to to get these men to a place where we all can we all can succeed. D'Amico Ryan's I've always loved him as a person, as a player, and you, you see attitude reflecting leadership. You see the way that he handles himself is kind of being interjected into C.J. Stroud. Give me the Texans over the Bucks in Houston. Panthers, Colts. They did get their first win last week over the Texans. Bryce Young and company. This is a boring game, but 
give me the Panthers at home over the, 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 the fighting Gardner Minshews. The New York Giants, I got to change my pick now, ladies and gentlemen, because I told you guys that I will never, ever, ever pick a team that is led by Josh McDaniels. And as of a couple days ago, he was the head coach of the Raiders, so that would automatically be a loss to whoever they played. Well, Mark Davis finally came to his senses, and he fired the GM, and he fired Josh McDaniels. Now, story time with Jesse Holly. Because I've come on this program many, many, many times, and I've told you that I will never, ever, 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 ever pick a team that is led by Josh McDaniels to win anything. And that it's personal. And that Josh McDaniels should have never had another head coaching job in the National Football League. He shouldn't have had the first one he got, but he did. I get, I get, all right, first time. You Belichick disciple, you maybe think that thing. No. He bombed in Denver. He ran back to daddy. And then he got another job. Y'all should have kept Rich Passaccia. Y'all should have kept Rich Passaccia. Took that team to the playoffs. But you went and you got Josh McDaniels. And what did he do? Destroyed another franchise. Destroyed another franchise. I hope and pray that he never gets an opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League again. I'm not saying that he can't feed his family. He should never lead the team again. Josh McDaniels, and this is why it's personal for me. I told you guys I spent a small amount of time. I had a cup of coffee in New England. And one thing about me is I stand on the principle of respect. I don't care what position you're in. Everyone deserves a level of respect. And Josh McDaniels is one of those people who are just bad humans. Who doesn't respect everybody. Who doesn't treat everybody. I, I don't, you don't have to treat me like a star. I'm not a star. You got to tell me. I know that. But as I'm a man. And when you, when you begin to treat me less than a man, I'll hate you. And so while it's personal for me when it comes to Josh McDaniels, on many different occasions during my time in New England, in front of other men, Josh McDaniels would tell me to shut up. Like, shut up. I'm like, who are you talking to? Like, many times, shout out to my guy, Matthew Slater, who is a, who is a veteran in New England, has been there forever. Will be he Matt Slater would be in the in the in the the Patriots Ring of Honor, and there were many a times that Matthew Slater had to kind of talk me off the ledge because I was ready to go at him, and just a constant and I, and and if you know me, if there's any of my coaches that are watching this, you can coach me hard, like you can coach you can you can coach me hard. I've never, been, I've never been a soft dude about nothing. You can coach me hard. You can push me hard. We, we, you, you, can, you can even kind of, you know, you can challenge me. You can sometimes even make me an example if it meant that it was going to help the betterment of the group. Can't disrespect me. And I, and I, and I don't think I, Josh McDaniels took advantage of that. Not just me, other people as well. And the minute, and this is why everywhere he goes, he doesn't have a good locker room. 
Everywhere he goes, you never hear him talk, you never hear players talk about him in a very high regard unless they're just like him. Unless they're a-holes just like him. Every every place that he's been, the locker room has been a bad locker room. Check the stats. Has been a fractured locker room. Every team that he has led, there has been a fractured locker room because his leadership stinks. He doesn't know how to talk to men. He doesn't know how to be around men. He's an insecure little man who was given a position of power. And when you give insecure people, when you give insecure men leadership power over men, they think the only way to sustain and keep that power is to keep belittling the men around him. Not in this league. And this is why every team that he goes to stinks. Because the men in that locker room aren't willing to give everything they got for him. And I know some of you are going to say, well, 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 as a head coach, not as an OC, well, they get paid a lot of money, and da 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 Miss me with that. The NFL is built of a bunch of alpha males who will eventually convince themselves to follow another alpha. Quarterback, head coach. And how you do that is by treating that other alpha with the respect of an alpha from an alpha. Because if two alphas can look themselves in the face and understand that, hey, we're going for the same goal, but you're leading us to get there, then as an alpha, I can concede my alphaness and follow you. I'm still an alpha in my role, but I'm allowing, I'm allowing another alpha to lead me. Whether that be a position uh, a coach, a head coach, uh, a, a, a player in that, on that side of the ball, Everybody's an alpha. Everybody in the NFL is an alpha male. They were the best at where they were at. Go back to their high school. They're probably the best high school player in Timbuktu. The best high school player in Roselle, New Jersey. In the state of New Jersey. At North Carolina. In the ACC. In the National Football League. Been an alpha, 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 alpha. Now I'm in the pen with a bunch of other alphas. But when the man who is, who, is, who is by design, by job position, as head, head, head coach, by position to lead other alphas, is not an alpha and is an insecure man, and you treat the other alphas as if they're not alphas, with the level of respect that an alpha desires and needs, you lose us. And that's why every place that he goes where he's the leader, where he's the leader, they suck. Because he's a bad leader. And for me, it's always going to be personal with Josh McDaniels. Always. Always. You don't treat men like that. Go ask anybody that's been in the locker room with him. With him being the head coach. Bad dude. Shout out to um, Antonio Pierce, who now is the interim head coach for the Raiders. Pretty interesting. Antonio Pierce, where did he, where did he get his, 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 his rocks off? Linebacker of the New York Giants. Who was the first game that Antonio Pierce will coach as the Raiders' new interim head coach? 
the New York Giants. So pretty cool game. Pretty cool game. I'm taking the I'm taking the Raiders in this one. They got that bum out of there. I'm taking the Raiders over the Giants. <laughs> I'm taking the Raiders over Giants in Vegas. Uh, what do we got here? Sunday night football, Bills, Bengals, and Cincinnati, Ohio. This is a good one. This is a good one. This is a good one. AFC Championship? Potentially AFC Championship. This this has potential AFC Championship written all over, especially if Kansas City don't find a way to get some more pass catchers in there. I don't know how they're going to do it, but maybe some guys are on the street. Maybe Randy Moss come out of retirement. I don't know. Bills, Bengals, Sunday night football. Ah, where do I go on this one? Oh, mm. <sighs> Give me the Bills. No, I packed the Bills up. Didn't I pack the, did I pack the Bills up? I packed Josh Allen up. Too, un, too inconsistent for me. You said you needed to see consistency. All right, here's, all right Bills. Bills Mafia. <laughs> Bills Mafia. I'm, 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 I'm asking for consistency. I'm going to give you another shot before I decide to pack you up. Give me the Bills on the road. Another twist to this game. Um, DeMar, DeMar Hamlin returning back to Cincinnati, Ohio, where a year ago he was pronounced dead on the field multiple times. And we all know the DeMar Hamlin story. Um, got in a, uh, went to make a tackle, got hit in the chest, cardiac arrest, died two times on the field, and I think on, again on the way to the hospital, recover, is back playing football. Uh, again, we'll have the um, – this will be the first time he heads back to Cincinnati, Ohio after that tragic incident. We all remember, you know, the the, the, the heart, did we win when he woke up in the hospital. Um, so, yeah, so DeMar – that's another reason why. That's that's the reason why right there. DeMar Hamlin coming back to the place in Cincinnati, Ohio, I think it's going to be great love there for him. Um, again, shout out to all the medical people. The, the Buffalo staff, the, the, the Cincinnati hospitals, everyone that, that was there to, 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 to save his life. Give me the Bills over the Bengals. Come on, Bills. If you, if you consistency, I'm packing you all up too. Monday night football, Jets, Chargers in MetLife Stadium in Jersey. Nobody, no quarterback has more skill. No, no quarterback in the National Football League that has this amount of skill done less than Justin Herbert. Like, I just, so much skill, so much promise in the skill set that he has. His team is three and four. It might be time to pack Staley up. Brandon Staley, it might be time to pack you up, my boy. I'm not saying give the, I'm not saying give the range to Kellen Moore. I, you know what? Here's my prediction. I would like to see Brandon Staley packed up and then give Eric Bieniemy a quarterback like that. I think if you gave Eric Bieniemy and his offensive genius another generational talent quarterback, I think that's what Justin Herbert needs. I do. I'm going to pick the Jets in a win over the Chargers Monday night football game. And then the most important game of the weekend, game of the week, Cowboys, Eagles, Lincoln Financial Financial Field, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm sure Michael have a bunch of people there. He's a PA guy. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a tough one. 
It's a tough one. I always say that this team is going to split. So, Cowboys lose this football game. I do. I think the Cowboys lose this football game 30-24 to 24 for all the reasons that I said earlier in the show. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. A.J. Brown is right behind Tyreek Hill. He's 939 receiving yards. 70, 61 yards. 61 yards away from 1,000 in nine weeks. Impressive. Impressive. But the Cowboys had to bring their big boy game. Dak, unbutton the shirt, loosen up the tie. Step inside the booth. Superman is alive. Um, that's my picks around the NFL. Let's get to the NBA. I'll talk a little bit more about the in-season tournament that's happened, but Victor Wimbanyana. Shout out to my guy, Tim Martin. Tim Martin, I don't know. I want to say Tim Martin was the one who discovered Victor Wimbanyana over in France and has been training him for years and has developed him into the player. Tim. Shout out to you, my boy. You you have the next, the next. He is he is the next one, and he put the NBA on notice the other night. Thirty eight points, seven foot four. He makes he he made Kevin Durant look small, look short, and was cooking. This guy. Uh, the only thing that I think Victor is missing right now is just the strength to really put somebody on the block. He has handle. He's athletic. You can't block his shot. Nobody. Nobody tall enough is going to be able to block his shot around a three-point line because you can't stand in front of him. So he he is he is special, man. This dude is so special. And, and, and he put the league on notice. And I look forward to seeing. I love greatness. I'm a fan of great. I don't have to be on my team. I'm a fan of just pure, I'm better than you. That God put a little bit more in my genetic pool than he put in yours, and I'm going to put it on display. And, and Victor Wimby is, this kid is special, man. This kid is, <laughs> I see why Greg Popovich decided not to retire. I wouldn't retire either. Give me a shot of coaching this kid. He, 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 can, he can change the franchise around quick. Think about Greg Popovich for a second, though. Like, think about the player that he's had an opportunity to coach. Like, he walks into a situation, you got David Robinson, then shortly after that, you get Tim Duncan. And, and, and I would say maybe, maybe Donnie Nelson and Donnie Nelson. I would say Donnie Nelson and Coach Pop. They really kind of dug into this whole European. Players from over, and I know there's other players, right? Like there's Detlef Shrimp, there's Arvidas Sabonis, there's uh, Petrovic. I mean, there are other players that come before these guys. There's Dirk that come, before. but like these guys were like really digging into that. Let's go get the Manu. Let's go get the Parker. Let's let's go really dig into getting some of these foreign players and, and really see if we can't do something with them. So, I mean, even Tim Duncan, he he's a guy. He's not a foreigner. I mean, he's from the Virgin Islands, but um, went to Wake Forest. But like just really tapping into that. Donnie was really big on that. Um and Pop, and Pop got another one, another one, and Victor Wimanyana, boy Tim 
Tim Martin. Whew. You got one, my you got one, my guy. You got you got one. He's gonna be special. All right, talk about the NBA in season tournament. If you guys are like me and I'm like you, we don't really know what the hell it is. Honestly. Like, honestly. What the NBA has trying to do now is what the NBA is trying to do now is they're 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 trying to say, I need to get you involved in the NBA action in November and December on a regular basis. So we're trying to create things kind of like how the like UEFA and the in the European soccer leagues do, where we have these interseason tournaments where we bring the best players and the best teams and, and we play to get you interested in our sport. The NBA understands really November, December, January is heavy NFL, heavy college football. So people don't really kind of really fully tune in to basketball. So now they're trying to create these tournaments um, that start. And some of the things that, 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 that you get, you get the, the jerseys, new jerseys. I, I, I am a fan of the courts. I love the, I love the new designs of what they've done um, with the courts. You get money. There's an incentivized. All players love a little bit of money. But here, here, here are some of the things you have to know. All 30 NBA teams will participate in a 67-game tournament over the next few weeks. Each team will play four games in a group stage. And the top eight contenders will advance to the knockout round that leads up to the semifinals in early December championship in Vegas. The winner, uh, the winner will be awarded the NBA Cup. The tournament takes place parallel with the NBA season. All tournament matchups will also count as regular season games except the championship game. Factoring into the standings used to determine which team makes the playoffs in the spring. Team schedules will still include non-tournament games over the next few weeks. So they'll play some in-season games and they'll play some not-in-season games during that specific time. The matchups are taking place on Tuesdays and Fridays. Players and coaches on the team that wins the NBA Cup will get $500,000. A figure that will descend based on the player's placement as runner-up, $200,000, semifinals, $100,000, quarterfinals, $50,000. Assistant coaches will share a separate pool of money that will be worth 75% of the winning coach's total. You get the new courts. You get the uniforms. Another marketing deal, right? Because the unif- I, the courts are dope. The courts are dope. But now you add another kind of color rush uniform that you can sell in the merchandise stores, and everybody wants those now because they'll be limited edition. They'll they, you know you won't wear them during the regular season. You just wear them during the tournament. A five hundred a five hundred championship prize won't be a massive deal for highly compensated players like LeBron James and Steph Curry. Um, who are both set to bring in at least $100 million each this season on and off the court, according to Forbes. However, the prize money could be a boom for the bench players, bringing in around a million dollars a year or the NBA salary. So that's what the in-season tournament is. It's something to kind of bring attention to the National Fo- National Basketball Association and kind of pull a little bit of the viewership away from the NFL, away from college football to get people interested. Because honestly, the NBA is probably the most predictable sport there is. And so sometimes with the new age of how these super teams have been formed, you can pretty much predict what it's going to be 
uh, who's going to be in the finals or who's going to be in the playoffs. So people don't really tap in until like April, May, and June when you get in the playoffs and now we're talking about that kind of stuff. You'll tap in for Christmas games. You'll tap in every now and again if the matchup is right. But just the overall viewership, the NBA is looking around and saying, we, we, we got to get people locked in a little bit earlier like these other leagues do. And we're battling the National Football League, and that's just a, a, a battle you probably can't win right now because the football is being played on Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays. And then once they get into the December time, you'll have even Saturday games in the National Football League. So you got four days a week where you're playing football, and those dominate, dominate viewership. Um, so that's the in, that's the NBA in-season um, tournament right there. And I'll just move quickly. This whole Michigan uh, – Michigan sign-stealing thing. That's been topic of discussion. I'm not getting into all the details of it because they don't know what the hell is going on. So I know I don't know what's going on. But I do want to say this on that situation. That is such a simple situation to fix. To be honest with you, we should not even have this issue. This issue should not be an existing issue in NCAA football, especially in Power 5 conferences. This is the easiest fix ever. This is the easiest fix ever. Every Power 5 conference, they we should have been using what the NFL uses. Hell, you have some high school teams that you that probably use that, that can afford this stuff. This is this should not be an issue. This is another thing for the NCAA to kind of make themselves a little bit relevant because now they have to sift through all this nonsense to figure out who is who and what is what. This should not be an issue. We're still doing signs, holding up Burger King signs, and uh, and they got drapes and everybody. They got four people on the sideline that got that got lighted vests on, so you can th- throw fake signs. This should not be an issue in the national and not national in college football. We have the technology. Schools like Michigan, Power Five schools should have. They do. They have the financial ability to go ahead and put. Microphones in the helmets. So now, now the office coordinator, whether he's up in the booth or on the football field, can call the play right into the to the to the quarterback, and we move on. But we still doing. Why are we still doing that? This is the easiest fix in the country. Put the microphones in the helmets. Move on. We should not be at a place right now with. What Jokers is still doing. For what? Now you worry about somebody stealing signs? Come on, NCAA. Like, this is, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. It should not be an issue. We should not even be here. But here we are. Another sign of the NCAA just being poor at their jobs, poor at leadership. We should have been had this issue fixed. And this ain't the first time we talked about college football players stealing signs. That's why they hold the signs up now. That's why they have those barricades around the kids calling the plays in. Because they've been stealing signs forever. This should not be an issue. It shouldn't. We make issues. The NCAA, in your lazy leadership roles, you make issues for yourself and for uh, college football because you just don't do smart things. This shouldn't be an issue of Power 5 conferences. And I can't speak for D2 and D3 and HBC. This should not be an issue in Power 5 conferences. You should be able to put microphones in a helmet and let's move the hell on.
but y'all still want to be crazy about it. All right, man, that's it for me. I'm out of here. Thank you guys so much for being along this ride. You know what you got to do. Like, subscribe, uh, leave comments, hit the notification button so that you never miss an episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly. Tell a friend to tell a friend, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Fanatics Views, head over there. Like, subscribe over there. Mr. Fourth and Long on um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, man. Thank you guys, man. I appreciate you. I really do. I really do. Can I get my Keith Lee on? God is amazing. Thank you. No, I really do appreciate you guys being here with me, man. This, this means the world to me. Um, I love you. 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 Each and every one of you. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their life is better than yours because it is your life. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out. <laughs>